This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas, powered by U-Mobile. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C and welcome to The Breakfast Grill. On today's Breakfast Grill, we are in conversation with Brian D. McFetus, United States Ambassador to Malaysia. He joins us today in the studio to discuss the diverse and expanding relationship between both countries in an increasingly volatile and uncertain world. Good morning, Ambassador. Let's take a step back. How do you think relations have been in the past 65 years? You took my line in the sense that I was going to say we have 65 years of you know reliable, broad-based partnership. Uh, I've been here a year and a half, and I've seen, you know, the, the main elements of that. We have very strong, um, I think my favorite is people to people. You know, mm. we have, uh, embassies are geared up to work with governments, but more and more we're, we're geared up to work with people. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, exchange programs, sending young Malaysians to study in the United States and vice versa. We have a, we have our first group post-COVID of American high school students studying in Malaysia. It's only a group of five or six, but, you know, it's a yeah. start to try to resume things like that. We have a strong economic ties, I think, as you know, about a 50 to $60 billion trade relationship each yes. year. We're one of the largest investors in Malaysia. So the, the economic side, I could talk more about that. And then security ties. We have broad-based security ties. It's not just military to military, although that's the core of it. A lot of joint exercises, equipment, things like that. But we also have you know, cooperation with the police, with drug enforcement, with uh, catching uh, you know, pedophiles. I mean, we have we have a lot of uh, a lot of partnerships, and I can see that clearly evident right in the relationship. I see economic ties blossoming, growing. I see really the trade links happening, and also these people to people relationships that you talk about really um, manifest itself very clearly. But you know, there are clearly some kinks, there are clearly some challenges in the relationship, and I just want to bring up you know some of these specific areas of concern. In one being foreign labor, because the U.S. Customs and Border Protection has really slapped about six Malaysian rubber and palm oil companies with a withhold and release order, essentially bearing important from companies such as Sime Darby and FGV. You know, there was an agreement to kind of resolve this issue. Have you made any progress on this front? There is now a, a, a joint committee that's composed of U.S. Embassy people and people from the United States mm. and um, ministries of home affairs and ministry of human resources. They've had, they basically had preliminary meetings so far to kind of set the terms of working together. And then I think they're going to meet officially uh, either this month or next month. So that's... You know, that's on the bureaucratic side. But the, I think the more basic point is we see, uh, you know, forced labor as one element of the human rights and trafficking in persons situation, not only in Malaysia, but around the world. Forced labor is, it's not a definition that the United States made up. It's the International Labor Organization. There's 11 elements of it. I won't go through them all, but it's things like, you know, you're not getting paid. Yeah. You have your documents confiscated. I mean, it's things that everybody, if you hear about them, you'd say, yeah, that's not right. So it's a focus of the U.S. around the world. And the last point I would make is some Malaysian companies have gone through the – I know it's unpleasant and painful, but they've gone through the process. They've had their, situ- yes. they've had their uh, labor situations audited. They've made improvements and they've graduated. You know, they've gotten out. A classic example is Top Glove. They Correct. did the efforts, they graduated, but some still have not. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And when you look at the map, really, we are the second culprit, right, with the most highest withhold release orders taking place. But that's just one core issue that's still remaining a challenge. Human rights still being a big challenge here. 2021 human rights report issued by the US State Department. Significant human rights issues include credible reports of unlawful and arbitrary killings by government, torture and cases of cruel, inhuman, degrading treatment of punishment by government entities, harsh and life-threatening prison conditions. I mean, the 
list can go on. How concerning does the United States see the erosion of human rights in Malaysia? It's an issue that uh, our government, Congress, you know, when I was getting ready to come out here, I had many Mm -hmm. questions from congressional staff and congressional members about what's the human rights situation. But it's a question they ask all over the world. So I wouldn't say Malaysia is not seen as a particular, you know, terrible human rights situation. It's just one of many that, that have challenges. And, you know, in terms of trafficking in persons, we know that we have the challenge in the United States as well. Uh, we have people that are, you know, caught up in, in, you know, they're vulnerable people to begin with. They're caught up in bad situations. I think what we've done in the United States and what we're trying to kind of cooperate with the government of Malaysia on is set up systems where, you know, the police, prosecutors, local civil society organizations work together and say, hey, there's a problem in a particular place, you know, maybe in Texas because it's a border state or maybe in New Mexico, another border state. Uh, and they work together and they come up with ways of yeah. addressing trafficking persons. That's what we want to have happen here in Malaysia. Because your reports are very clear, right? In Stark, where you highlight cases of S. Sivabalan, Umar Farooq Abdullah, A. Ganapathy. I guess the question is, besides the talk, right, when can we see credible action to see these cases reduce? We see on the Malaysian side uh, a number of very important steps in terms of plans, you know, five-year plans for addressing trafficking in persons. There's, uh, there's MAPO, the uh, Malaysian Anti-Trafficking Council, so the, the tools are in place. What we've, what we've continued to communicate to the government of Malaysia at all levels is implementation. You know, you have to yeah. actually identify victims, give the victims a chance to tell their story. What we find in Malaysia is a lot of times there'll be, you know, this is a kind of a, a general situation where there'll be a raid. They find illegal immigrants. Maybe some of those illegal immigrants were trafficking victims, but they don't get a chance to tell their story. They're just on the next plane mm. out to, you know, back to wherever they came from. So we've been, we've been trying to get more attention to going through systematically and finding out, is this person a victim? Let them tell their story. Let them have their day in court. Provide them an interpreter. That kind of thing. And implementation seems to be a concern from forced labour to human rights and even to your July 2022 persons trafficking report, quoting, the government of Malaysia does not fully meet the minimum standards for the elimination of trafficking and is not making significant efforts to do so. And henceforth, Malaysia was downgraded to tier three. I mean, Ambassador, you know, we talk about improving relationship, but clearly these issues here show that there are a lot of challenges in terms of the alignment in principles between the Malaysia and the United States, right, on these key fundamental issues. I think it's a, it's, these are issues that are difficult all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I think there needs to be more, as I said, you know, implementation and focus in, uh, in Malaysia. I mean, I think there needs to be more Public attention, you know, public attention to this. Um, I want to talk to you about climate change. I think public public attention on all these issues is a, is a start because you need the ordinary Malaysian citizen to say, hey, that's not right. And then they start finding out more and, you know, taking action on the local level. Yeah, I get, this this way I think the bigger concern is, right, is the relationship underpinned purely by economic transaction, right, by the def- definition that it's a good relationship because we have good traits, but actually the fundamental two governments don't see eye to eye on the fundamental values and principles that are accepted globally. I don't think I would agree with that. I think we have we have broadly cooperative and, um, you know, mutually agreed relations with the government of Malaysia, you know, in the areas that I talked about, security, cooperation, mm. economic ties. There's always, you know, you never get a perfect situation, right? In, in the United States, you pick any state or you pick the national government. We have a lot of unresolved issues, too. I mean, you, I think you can't, you know, you can't expect things to be uh, totally resolved. You know, the, the it, political issues and these difficult issues are kind of always churning. 
But by and large, we have a very good and constructive relationship with the government of Malaysia and also with the you know, local governments, state governments. Uh, we, you know, we, we work across all the areas. Yeah, and I must say you have had a lot of experience in Malaysia. You were in Malaysia before even you became an ambassador. But one thing I was noting in terms of the statistics that you've been ambassador for, I think, close to about one and a half years so far. And you've had the distinct privilege of, you know, serving three Malaysian prime ministers, <laughs> perhaps a fourth very soon, whereas the last Malaysian prime minister had four U.S. ambassadors under his belt. <laughs> so very interesting twist of statistics there. I wonder what's your challenge, right, in managing, you know, changing and shifting administrations, you know, as you push through these very key difficult challenges moving forward. How difficult has it been for you particularly? Because you're in unprecedented territory, seeing this revolving door of politics taking place in Malaysia. Well, in, in this, in my tour starting in February of 2021, um, I have had the chance to you know, have the experience under Prime Minister Muhyiddin and then Prime Minister Israel Sabri, Ismail Sabri. So, so two of them, and I must say, at the level that the embassy works at, which are, you know, concrete trafficking in persons, climate change, economic ties, things did not change a lot uh, between the two. So, you know, I had the privilege of meeting both prime ministers and having, you know, our secretary of state came last year. I mean, the, in, a, in a sense, you know, life goes on in terms mm-hmm. of U.S.-Malaysian relations. Now, uh, you know, if there's a new government and there's new emphasis, we will, you know, we will work with the new government. We we basically will make an effort to represent all of our priorities. Hopefully, we're working with some people we already know. If it's new people, we'll get to know them and work with them. But I don't think it's been, you know, we, we don't consider it extremely disruptive. We'll wait and see on that. On The Breakfast Grill, I have the privilege of having a conversation with Brian D. McFeeters, United States Ambassador, on a broad range of issues. After the news bulletin, we discuss Indo-Pacific Act and also the U.S.-Malaysian Corporation on Climate Change. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The BFM Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by you Mobile. Welcome back on this Breakfast Grill. We have with us Brian D. McFeeters, United States Ambassador to Malaysia, as we celebrate 65 years of diplomatic relations between both nations. Now, Ambassador, when President Biden came to power about two years ago, you know, besides the tensions that are taking place in the Middle East, the Russia and Ukraine conflict, the US has clearly spelled out a vision for the Indo-Pacific region. Can you help me understand how this vision is different from perhaps a decade ago? One of the things President Biden and his team, you know, including Secretary of State Blinken, said from the beginning is that they wanted to focus on rebuilding partnerships with allies and partners. And Malaysia is a strong partner. So that's the general – that's been the general emphasis. You know, that's why he came to Malaysia last year. The Secretary of Commerce came to, last, came to mm. Malaysia last year and other senior visits are happening. But also on the economic side, there's the new effort, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework – it's 14 countries. Together, they represent about 40% of world GDP, about 20% of world trade and goods and services, so a significant economic grouping. And this is a new approach. It's basically saying, let's tackle 21st century uh, challenges. And you mentioned one of them is environment. Supply chain has been in the news a lot uh, the last yep. couple of years. Uh, general trade issues, including digital, and then what we call a fair economy, which is you know taxes and corruption. So it's Looking broadly at those, it's issues. very broad range, and it's right. very true, right? I think if you observe U.S. Uh, you know senior movements taking place coming over to Malaysia, there's no doubt that I think you think Malaysia is a pretty strategic uh, country. But I just want to understand the details and the t- progress made on the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework that you talk about, because you know since the conversation that's taken place, you know, early this year, what have been the tangible outcomes with respect to this framework? 
these things take time. So the first official ministerial meeting was in September. Malaysia was a very strong partner in that, made some specific suggestions about, you know, there should be a training and capacity building element to this. I think people have listened to that. So there's one outcome. It's not, again, it's not the kind of, you know, tariff sort of agreement that you'd expect from a trade agreement, but there's there's an agreement that 14 U.S. companies will put their heads together and provide digital upskilling for the target is 7 million Mm. people over the next decade, focusing on women and girls, focusing on middle-income countries, including Malaysia. So that's that's never been done before at that scale. Yeah, some, of the, some of the countries are some of the companies are already starting that. In terms of the agreement itself, there'll be a virtual meeting in November and then the next ministerial in, in January. So it's you know political agreement to do this, and the details remain to be determined. But time is not on your side, isn't it? Since former President Donald Trump quit the 12-country Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Deal (TPP) in 2017, you know China has been expanding its influence with RCEP. So you know, besides these virtual meetings, are we going to see a f- form of any? proper trade agreement, or as you say, right, is this going to be more nebulous in nature? I would think during 2023, starting when the ministerial in January, you will have agreements. You know, all all the countries have signed up to all the pillars except for India took a reservation on trade. So the countries are in, you know, in principle, they've said, let's work mm-hmm. out agreements on these areas, the four areas that we're talking about. Uh, I think you will see agreements on protecting the supply chain. There's already an agreement between Malaysia and the U.S. to do that, so that could be broadened. You'll see agreements on, you know, how do we deal with each other in terms of changing technology for climate change. So there will be progress. It'll probably take most of 2023. And just deep diving on the Indo-Pacific strategy. I mean, it's, uh, you know, characterized by free and open, connected, prosperous, secure and resilience. And deep diving on resilience, you know, the concern is addressing these transnational challenges and climate change being a core concern per se. Now, the document highlights that the U.S. is committed to work with allies, right, to develop 2030 and 2050 targets, strategies, plans and policies, you know. Where is the U.S. helping the Malaysian government in setting its 2030 and 2050 targets? This is a huge issue, priority for me as ambassador, and I think every ambassador um, at the you know at the U.S. national level. We, I think, I have two points to make. One is going into COP twenty seven, which is happening right now. The United States is in a very strong position. We have three sets of significant legislation. The most recent one being the Inflation Reduction Act. Strange name, but it's basically a climate change bill. It it provides. You know, three three hundred sixty nine billion is the figure that people use, but it basically provides an open ended set of incentives. If you want to develop carbon capture storage and 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 can do it under the conditions set aside uh, set under the bill, you can get the incentive. If you want to put solar panels on your roof, like yep. like I am as a homeowner, you can get the incentive. So it's sort of an open ended, uh, you know, incentive incentive fair for anybody who wants to do it. But these incentives yeah. are for the domestic market, right? They don't really naturally benefit us in this part of the world, do they? Well, the, the idea, the, the analysis I've read is that the, you know, solar and wind, the cost has been coming down precipitously over the, la- mm-hmm. over the next last 10 years, 10, 20 years. This will continue even more so because there's so much more experimentation going on. So we think that will have benefits around the world, right? If solar is cheaper in America, it's going to be cheaper world, right? Because they, they're, they're traded, you know, these the things are traded. The economy scale and the demand. The economy scale. Mm-hmm. More specific on Malaysia, the United States has a number of programs with Malaysia. We have something called the Power Sector Program where we take regulatory experts in the United States, people that have said, you know, they can look at a city like KL and say, here's what you'd have to do to put our renewable energy on your grid. There's lots of technical aspects to it, regulatory aspects. They've met with Malaysian officials and talked about that. They've also met with officials in Sabah on 
Let's say you want to develop battery energy storage to go with your solar panels. How do you actually do that? Well, there's people that know how to do that, and they're talking through the details of that. So we have this technical level assistance. What I want to do, you know, in my remaining time as ambassador is get more and more U.S. companies here. We have companies that can go into a coal plant and make it more efficient or go look at the grid or put smart meters in your home, you know, so the the grid, you know, adjusts according to the supply of electricity. We have that expertise, and I want to connect as many as they, as I can with Malaysia. But can the expertise be married with capital? Because you know, when you talk about uh, the COP twenty seven summit, which is happening concurrently now, you know, the developing markets, you know, are estimating that they need to mobilize about one point three trillion dollars worth of capital in twenty thirty. So, besides just the expertise, is the United States going to help facilitate and provide capital and funding to help emerging economies and developing countries all the world in helping their decarbonization strategy? So this is, you know, this gets into high politics. President Biden in his 2023 budget request has asked for, I believe it's $11 billion that would be put to climate change assistance, you know, countries with mitigation and adaptation efforts, right? So that's that's the request. It has to go through the political process in the United States, which is, you know, never, never a sure thing. But there is, it's certainly, you know, emphasis on the part of Secretary Kerry, our special representative for, for climate change, to you know, talk about mitigation, how do we help countries, adaptation, and then another topic that will come up at COP27 is uh, you know, loss, loss and damage, right? These are all things that need yeah. to be discussed. And Ambassador, as we conclude our conversation today, this isn't your first rodeo in Malaysia. You were back, I think, as a political counselor at the embassy. You know, how different now is the political climate in Malaysia when you were a political counselor versus being an ambassador now? Having, you know, as you see, we are in the midst of a G15 uh, fever happening. We're sitting here in Kuala Lumpur. One of the things I've noticed is, you know, the place has just continued to develop. It used to be, you know, I lived in the, in the Ampang neighborhood. I used to be able to walk out in my front yard and see the, the Twin Towers. Now there's so many towers around the Twin Towers that uh, the things things developed. Uh, traffic is up. Economic development is up. Traffic find, isn't good. Yeah, this it's just a, one of those things that happens. But I find that, you know, Malaysia has continued to advance. The economies continue to grow. And the ties between the United States and Malaysia are, are strengthening every year. And let's hope the next 65 years sees the relationship strengthen and deepen further. On The Breakfast Club with us today, His Excellency Brian D. McFeeters, United States of Ambassador to Malaysia. I'm Philip C., BFM 89.9. The Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile, where unlimited potential begins. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.